a new date being, has come out for Rugby World Cup qualifier, which is February. But Manusina can only play if we secure MIQ spots in New Zealand, you know, for us to come back home. And majority of our team, Waslet at the moment, is from New Zealand. So, and the fact that we've been asking for MIQ spots way before, you know, the issue with, with MIQ spots for our athletes or for athletes that are competing, even with, in the competing for New Zealand, are still having issues unless you're certain, a certain type of team. Um, so we're, we can only go to Rugby World Cup qualifier if we secure MIQ spots. So that's where we're at at the moment. It's still going ahead in February. Our players, all, you know, we constantly update our players as to where we're at, what they're supposed to be doing. As soon as we get to a certain level, or hoping level two, and then we're all in, in terms of training um, towards qualifying. Are you confident that you'll get those spots? Well, I have to be. You know, there's always hope uh, for our players and uh, for the staff and for our nation, for Samoa, because, yeah, it is a massive need. Um, Rugby World Cup needs Samoa or Pacific Island team. We've got Fiji in there, which is awesome, but they also need Samoa in the World Cup. You were actually the last woman to captain Samoa at a Rugby World Cup. Tell me a little bit about that time and how special that was for you. Oh, that was so special. That still is very special. Like the whole the whole process, 2013, having to qualify for World Cup, and then 2014 going to World Cup without our coach. Um, so we went with a team. Honestly, we went with a with a team to Spain, where uh, in terms of rugby experience, not much. Uh, so yeah, we can forgive the people that will look <laughs> at the team on paper and go, "Huh, <laughs> you're not going to qualify." So that we had that. I mean, we had to deal with that off field with a lot of doubters, a lot of people saying, "You're not going to qualify yet. Can you just play? Can you just play? Can you just play?" Um, and I remember facts. I remember our first training um, for <laughs> World Cup, and it's a World Cup qualifier, right? And there was like only nine nine people at the trial, and we played like four on five. It was so funny. I mean, when I look back at it now, I, I mean, it was such a hard campaign. It was a 27, 28-hour landed, put our stuff in the, in the hotel. We had to train because we played the next day. So that was the format. And I think that's, that's probably the most memorable game was the night game. Uh, first half, oh, man, we were getting hiding. It was like 20-something 20, 20 nil. Had a halftime talk. I don't know what I said. I was just blowing up. Oh, I, do, I do remember saying, I just I don't care what we have to do. I just need one point out of this game. If we're not going to get the full two, two points for a win, I need one point, which means we needed to score at least four tries. And we ended up losing, but it was like 28-22. And we got the one point. And that was the point of difference, pretty much. And, and in that tournament, you had to be top two and um, to go through to, what, uh, to Rugby World Cup. And we were the second by one point. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's that, awesome. That was amazing. I mean, so many things happened on that tour. But that, yeah, I think at the end of that game, everyone just, I, mean, I just collapsed on the ground. <laughs> I was <laughs> like, oh my, oh my gosh. Um, but that was probably the most memorable. And then going to Rugby World Cup was kind of, it was amazing. Um, Samba at the same time because we lost our coach. Yeah. I just want to quickly just um, touch on uh, Peter Fatsialofa because... Um, no! <laughs> no, just a little bit. What, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, because he was a huge part of that campaign. Um, I, yeah. what, what did he mean to, to you, the team? Oh, he was the glue. Uh, you know, he was the, um, definitely the glue of the team because he was our go-to, you know, if he had to get things across the line with Samoa Rugby Union or now known as Lucky Samoa. Um, he was the he was the man. 
you know, he was it. Um, and that made, I think, on the surface, a lot of players wouldn't have realised that he made that transition look really easy, even though, you know, behind the scenes it wasn't. I think we are where we are today because of um, his connection um, and what he did for rugby, for someone rugby, especially for Manu Sina. Um, uh, we saw another side of Fats. I don't want to cry. Oh my gosh. Yeah, we saw another side of Fats um, that not not many people probably saw. And I guess that was evident when um, at the funeral and testimonies when, you know, we said, oh, you know, he wanted to do local when we were in camp and they're like, huh? And, and in terms of the drinking band, that came from him. And we were, like, surprised because, yeah, everyone that knows Fats, you know, knows him well, knows that that's quite hard to believe that he put the band in. And uh, there's so many sides to him. So I think when people see him, he'll come across as, as quite tough. But there was so many times that we would always, like, laugh laugh at him when he was trying to explain something. And he'll try to growl us, but um, he'll just end up smiling and, and laughing too. But he was he's such a kind heart. I would say he is the juicy. I mean, our juicy is, is represents the heart of our family, of, of Samoa, of, you know, is the blood. Um, he definitely showed that in the way that he served Manusina. I mean, he served Manusina right to his death. Definitely the glory, the heart. Such a beautiful man. Um, but showed us, definitely showed me how, you know, how to serve Samoa, like wholeheartedly. And I've got to say, yeah, you, was- you are um, continuing that, I believe, from what I can see. Because um, now you've kind of got the opportunity to continue the work, you know, n- not as a player, but as an assistant coach now. So what what has that tra- transition been like for you to go from player to coach? Uh, it wasn't an easy one. It was made um, for, it wasn't my choice to be player coach. That choice was taken away in 2000 and I think 16 or 17 when we had a, new, a national New Zealand sevens competition here. And it was a year where they banned and they weren't allowing any international players um, to play. And I fell under that category after playing that tournament and then having to, um, then one year, that, that rule comes in, which which is, you know, that was disappointing um, as a player because you still wanted to play, but you couldn't because that was in. And so the opportunity there came to uh, to still be part of our, probably our union team with counties um, as a coach, as an assistant coach slash trainer. And I was like... Think <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to do that because it's you know it's not what I had hadn't been ready to retire yet, even though I should have. But that was that came forcefully. Um, but in, again, when I look back, it was perfect timing. Because uh, so thankful for that decision. Now I wasn't. I wasn't thankful then. <laughs> yeah. Because um, it's led me into probably the opportunities that I've had so far. Um, you know, authentically and. Um, and it happens to be sport, and it happens to be rugby, which is it's not what I thought I was going to be doing. I thought I would be coaching like league, um, to be fair, but it just happens to be rugby, which I'm so grateful for. And, and I love coaching, and, and this, especially coaching with Manu Sina. Um, yes, we're a tier two nation. Do we have everything? No, we don't. Do we need everything? No, not really, because um, our team have proven since 2018 that um, you can still play, and, you, and we still attract players. Um, players that come into the into the framework, you know, they understand fully what it's about while they're in there. Um, it's about our culture, our people. You know, the mantra is our people, our heritage, our aenga, and it truly is that. Um, I think being part of that journey has been really probably a massive learning for me mm. in terms of coaching um, in this space. Well, it's no secret that 
you know, when we compare the women's game to the men's game, there's a lot of inequalities, like pay parity, fewer sponsorships, less visibility. Do you think, you know, when you look back to when you were playing versus now, you know, coaching, do you think it's getting better or has, has nothing changed? It's definitely getting better. It's not getting better to the point where I know everyone wants to, especially us the ladies, really want it to be uh, at, at this time. But when I think about where we were, and it's always going to be like this, you know, from 10 years from when we were, it's going to be better. Um, we want it now. You know, we're in a culture where we want things to be done now. They should have been done yesterday. It should have been done five years ago. Uh, but it definitely is. I mean, there's more and more sport that's accessible on TV for our women. Do we want more of that? Yeah, we do. Uh, but that's come on the back of, you know, a lot of trailblazers that have come before us and, you know, their hard work. And I'm sure they're looking at us thinking right now, because, oh, I wish we had that when we were playing. And, you know, I think it has, you know, it has come at a snail pace, though. What do we need to do to um, really secure our women's sport on in, in, in media, you know, to be uh, to be there in prime time? You know, and it depends on there's a lot of there's a lot of moving factors in that in that in that question in terms of you know how do we get our um, our women sports people or athletes um, being on equal par with with our men and that's all that's all we're asking for is to be on equal par we don't want more we don't want less at the moment most you know some sports are in par with them some sports aren't and that's all we're striving for is to be equal and that's with everything. Not just sport, I think, with every facet um, of our society is just to be equal. And have we, has that, you know, how has that been since I was a player? It's still got a long way to go. Uh, there's still more, there's so there's many more uh, women that we see that are playing and coaching, but we, again, it's still not equal. If, if, that's, the, if that's the bar, then we're not there yet. Has the thought of playing again crossed your mind? Could you see yourself playing in another World Cup if, you know, say you were down some numbers and could throw a jersey on, would you? <laughs> oh, my, you know, that, that someone, well, my club players have asked, can you just play five minutes next year? <laughs> like for, um, can you just hop on the field? I just want to see how you play. I mean, I'm literally not going to do that. <laughs> but you know what? I, then I was like, oh, actually, I wouldn't mind just getting on the field and just like smashing a few people. And then, <laughs> I can't and then picture you saying no. That's honestly. Yeah, I'm thinking, and that's, you know what? And that's the reason why I have one hamstring because I didn't say no, no when I should have said no. <laughs> but I would love to. You know, I was thinking I might. You know, I might. It's not out of the question. I might just. I won't be in a World Cup. I don't want to be playing in a World Cup. I literally want to be coaching in a World Cup. My goal is to be a head coach. But yeah, I've got a lot of learnings, uh, learnings as well. I am. I consider myself very, very lucky uh, to call you a friend outside of, I guess, this kind of space. Um, I see how busy you are, um, and how elegantly you juggle. You know all these different roles that you have. You're a teacher. You're training like crazy, morning and night. You can't say you're not because <laughs> I can tell um, you're, you're coaching, you're a mum, you know, you're always trying to be the best version of yourself. Um, I wanted to know, where does that drive come from? It came from probably growing up hard and appreciating that where I am now stem from having a probably a probably an, a colourful upbringing and uh, quite hard, had a hard upbringing, um, even though I've got a loving family, but my upbringing was quite hard, and just life was hard. As a teenager growing up, uh, living in Central, then having to bounce South Auckland, and having to bounce here, 
So I was a little bit of a hobo living everywhere. Then that kind of shaped my personality in terms of being able to, okay, I need to adapt here or I need to be resilient here or I need to do this here. And then getting to a space where I was really comfortable with who I was and really just taking everything, um, not for granted, but enjoying everything instead of growing up hating everything and being angry all the time. So that's, I think that's where my drive comes from. Um, yeah, that's definitely my drive comes from that. And my philosophy for coaching um, is around safety. That's my probably my big thing 